Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Praise God. Well, glory to God. Welcome back, Wisdom and Stuff Podcast. This is Daryl Boucher, and uh, this is a glorious day today, the day that he has made. We're rejoicing, we're glad in it, we're living on purpose today. Praise God. Um, today, I would love to get into just the um, uh, something that Jesus mentions in Mark chapter 11, and this is where you know he curses the fig tree, and it's it's withered up from its roots, and then they point it out, and he's just like, uh, you know, yeah, why don't you just have the faith of God? And he makes a statement here in Mark chapter eleven, and he says, um, he says, verily I say to you, what whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. And so he makes a statement that is still a real struggle uh, for most most of us on this planet is in verse 23, where he says, um, For verily I say unto you that the whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. And so the, the, the principle here where he says that we can have whatsoever we say that is something that people, you know, even some Christians will acknowledge that we, we're not living in that. You know, that's not something that, that we're seeing in anybody's life right now. And I, I really think this is something that, that we need to press into more. I think sometimes when we don't see something happening, we just back up off of it and we kind of relegate it to something that either can't be done or uh, it's if it's going to be done, it's going to be done because, you know, God's sovereign hand moves or... Uh, that's or that's something that happens when we get to heaven or something. But but there's a, it's almost like there's a level of frustration that happens that gets us to back up off of things. And here Jesus, he's he's making a statement, and we know that Jesus he doesn't lie. He only says what he hears his father say. Right? He 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 does not lie. He does not exaggerate. He says his words are spirit and they are life. He spoke truth. That's what he did. He spoke truth in love. He only he only spoke truth. So this is an accurate statement. There. Is there is no um, inaccuracy about this statement whatsoever. But when he says, "If you say to the mountain," if you're talking about a physical mountain, he just talked. He just talked about a phys- a a physical fig tree. He wasn't talking to a literal uh, a, a a figurative fig tree. He wasn't talking about a metaphoric fig tree. He was talking about a literal fig tree. Now, that's the other thing people do is is that we know that this that the mountain being removed can symbolize problems in our life. We know that they can it can symbolize, you know, uh, you know, just issues that need to be dealt with in our life. But he's not talking symbolically here. He really isn't. He's talking physically. It, it, we can teach these verses and and talk to and say that they can have to do with soulish problems. They can have to do with emotional problems. They can have to do with with trauma or crisis. They can have to do with a lot of different things. And we can accurately teach the scripture that way. But but when we want to take the scripture for face value, he is talking about a physical thing. He says, I just physically talked to a physical fig tree and it physically responded to my to my words. It physically did what I told it to do. And then he says, but he goes, he goes, this is what I'm selling to you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea, 
Now he says, he literally had to look around going, what's the biggest thing I can compare? He goes, I'm going to pick that mountain that's been here forever. That's a physical mountain. And if you speak to that mountain, if you're, he goes, if you're in awe about this, about this uh, fig tree here, that's nothing because the, the same principle that, that actually caused the fig tree to wither and die is the same principle, the same faith that you can speak to a mountain to. So he's number one, he's trying to get us to understand that faith is not quantitative. Um, now you can have, you know, in a way you can have a little, little faith or a large faith, or you can have more faith for some, whatever. So in a way it is, but the principle of faith is not quantitative. It's eternal. And that's why he says, understand, even if you, you know, he says in another passage, if you have a, the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you speak to the mountain, it would, it would, it obey you. Now, because, because faith is so much higher, the, 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 the principle of believing and speaking is so much higher than this world, that this world has to bow to it when it's done the right way. And so anything in this world, anything in the temporal world, he's not talking about people, he's talking about, you know, anything that was part of creation, you know, we, we're children of God, not just the creation of God, but the world, the universe is a creation of God. And as uh, anything in the, in the created universe is literally subject to our words. You know, we know that Joshua, he, he, you know, he basically said that he, he commanded the sun to stand still. Well, we know that it was the earth that stood still, but we, he, he actually stopped the solar system. He stopped the, the whole, the, the whole orbit, the orbit of the, or they stopped the orbit of the earth around the sun. He did it for a whole day. I mean, come on, you know, but, but here he's saying, Jesus saying, you know, if you, if you speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed and it can be cast in the sea and you will not doubt in your heart, but you will believe that those things which you say will come to pass. You can have whatsoever you say. And wow, you know, we, we need to press into the whatsoever we say can come to pass thing. Cause I've been in the church for a while and the principle, you know, in the, in the circles of the church that I've been in, this is not an, a foreign principle at all. The principle is acknowledged. The principle is like now. There's other parts of the body that, that maybe don't even adhere to the principle at all. They literally say that 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 was only figurative. It's only symbolic. It's only based on whatever. But we see Jesus saying a very accurate statement. He was he was not saying figurative things. He just spoke to a physical fig tree. Uh, we know that that you know like I said. This has happened uh, in, in other aspects of not only Jesus' ministry, but in the Old Testament. People said things, and it happened. You know, and uh, Elijah. It says that he spoke, and it, and the earth did not give rain nor dew for three and a half years until he spoke again. <laughs> you know, so this is not a foreign concept. It's just one that we have not pressed into. And so, uh, but at the same time, because I've been uh, saved since I was 15, in the circles that I've been in primarily, or, or, or in the majority of the circles I've been in, um, they, they have been ones that adhered to this principle that we will acknowledge, that we believe and therefore we speak. And we know that's how we get saved, and that, and, and that that's how everything else is done. Um, but... Still, we are not seeing the fruit of this. We're not seeing the fruit of this of this verse in our life very much. And usually, what I see, and this is what I, I started seeing it, you know, just after I got saved in the in the mid eighties. The mid eighties, boy, there was a lot of stuff coming out that was, you know, people were getting hold of a principle, but they weren't doing it God's way. Okay, so they saw that God's will was represented here that we could have whatsoever we say. That's God's will, but we weren't 
doing it God's way. And so you end up with people who are just literally confessing things 5,000 times, thinking that, you know, the more they say it, then it's going to come to pass. Um, and yet Jesus didn't do that. We didn't see. In fact, he told us in Matthew like six, uh, when he's teaching us how to pray, he said, don't, don't be heard for your many words. Don't, don't say it over and over again. Don't have a liturgy of things that you're saying. And, um, and, you know, we know the world has the, uh, they understand the principle of positive confession. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about positive confession. We're not talking about just saying things as a mantra over and over again just to just to say it a thousand times. We're talking about being stewards of one kingdom into another kingdom. We're talking about understanding that the words of our mouth are portals for the kingdom of heaven to actually come into this earth. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that our heart and our mouth are gateways for the, the eternal to come in and impact the temporal realm. And when when we begin to understand the power of words, and yeah, we can sit there and look at somebody who who has lived this life for 40 years and still they're, you know, I, I can... You know, and I, I'm telling on myself too, where it's like, you know, we, we can say, hey, you know, we've we we've tried this for 40 years and it's never come to pass the way that God says it would. Well, does that make it less true? Or does it mean that we need to adjust things? Right? So I don't want us to back up off of truth just because we we have not had the experience that that confirms the truth, right? I'm not. I don't ever want experience to define my doctrine. I want the word to define. It says the word of God is profitable for doctrine. So I can't let my experience, and I can't let a thousand other people's experience, you know, tell me what truth is. Truth is defined by the word. The word of God is truth, right? John 17, and so. When I know the word, when I when I actually obey the word, the truth makes me free. But I can't look at somebody else and say, "Well, you know, it didn't happen for them, so you know, uh, I guess I don't know if that's really true or not." No, we have to go by the word, and we need to be those who pioneer something into the earth and actually make it come to pass. And like I've said time and again, you know, I'm glad the Wright brothers didn't allow experience to tell them what to do. I'm glad that Steve Jobs didn't let experience tell him what to do because otherwise we would never have an airplane, we would never have an iPhone, we would never have certain certain inventions that that they didn't exist on the earth until they did, right? They didn't exist on the earth until they did exist because somebody pressed into something that hadn't been done before. And so I I just want to man fire us up a little bit today about pressing into this uh, aspect of the word that we can have whatsoever we say. We can have whatsoever we say, and this is not not just you know not just good. It's good or bad. People will say things, and they'll say it so many times as far as they'll they'll, they'll create an internal narrative in their life that their internal voice is saying things about them, and it's coming to pass in their life because they're believing with their heart the things that are said that they're, they're being said to them in their mind. And the problem with this, and this is the aspect I want to get into today, is that we just here he says. It says if you if you say these things and you will believe you'll you'll believe those things but you won't you won't doubt in your heart but you'll believe that those things that you say will come to pass you can have whatsoever you say so if you don't allow doubt in your heart that means that the word doubt comes from the word double d o u b is the same word that we get from double right and so it's a double mindedness so the word doubt here actually is is talking about if you if you a double minded person in this situation is going to say well you know what I I'll, I is is going to say I can say it but not have it or I can say it but my words aren't that powerful that's a double minded man 
Or we can say, well, I'll have it one of these days, but not because I'm believing it and saying it. Jesus says here, he goes, listen, if you believe with your heart and you you believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you can have whatsoever you say. And this is how we got saved. I believed in my heart and I spoke with my mouth, right? That's what's called the spirit of faith. That's what, that's what it says in Corinthians, as well as in Romans chapter 10. But here he says, though, that, that I need to believe that the things that I say will come to pass. And the problem is most people do not believe the words that are coming out of their mouth. They do not have faith in the power of their own words, okay? They, it doesn't mean that they're lying all the time. It doesn't mean that they're just a bunch of liars. It just means they don't believe the power of their own words. And so they believe, they, 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 they possibly believe in a way the power of God's word, but they don't believe the power of their own words. And so they, they, you know, they, they, they've, they've basically separated themselves from this verse. Then it, you know, when, when the disciples were on the boat and Jesus calms the winds and the waves, and they're like, what manner of men is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, so they, they separated themselves from Jesus saying, we are not that manner of man because they were not used to somebody standing up and speaking to natural things and nature itself obeying their words. Now, the, the question is, is that okay with us? Are we still in awe over that? Is that still something that's so out of reach for us, or is it something we can identify with right now? Can we literally say that's our design, that's, that's our DNA, our DNA is the same as Jesus' DNA because he was a child of God. We're a child of God, even though we're not Jesus. We're not the Messiah. We're not the Savior. We're not, you know, the the the, the, the you know the, we're not the second part of the Godhead. But he's literally you know, over and over again. Even when he rebukes the winds and the waves, he also rebukes the disciples and say, "Where is your faith? Why did you fear?" He expected them to do something about it. Now. So understand, Jesus never had a separation mentality. In fact, he continually wanted them to see him as their, not their example, but as their reflection. He wanted to, he didn't want them to look at him like a goal to achieve. He wanted them to, to, to look at him and say, oh, that's my nature. If I look at Jesus, I see my nature. If I look at Jesus, I see who I am, not who I'm going to be. That's why the word of God is called a mirror. And you've heard me say it lots of times before, but a mirror never tells you who you're going to be. A mirror this morning, I looked in the mirror. It didn't tell me who I was going to be. It tell it told me what I look like right then. And so when I look in the Word, and the Word says that that you know that I can speak to a mountain, that's who I am right now. I don't need to attain that. I just simply need to begin to identify with that and begin to practice that. But what I have to do is I have to I have to create an environment where I I believe the power of my words. And I believe that, that my words come to pass. And so I have to create a relationship of integrity with my word where I believe the power of my word. I believe that my words come to pass. I believe that, that God, you know, he, of course, watches over his own word to make sure it comes to pass. And when his word comes out of my mouth, he does the same thing. And so his, you know, Jesus gave us his very name, saying, if you ask anything in my name, my Father will do it for you, because it's the same as him asking for it. So now I'm not even doing it on my own credentials. I'm not doing it based on my own spirituality. I'm doing it based on my high priest, on Jesus' spirituality, and, and, and he gave me his name, his credentials, right? And so, so when, we're, when we're building an atmosphere in our hearts to actually believe what we say comes to pass. I believe this is this is probably one of the biggest hindrances to people walking in this verse, and with the, that we haven't created an environment where our 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 
our heart believes that our words are going to come to pass. We just don't believe that they're going to come to pass. Otherwise, we would talk a whole lot different. We definitely wouldn't say as many negative things. We definitely wouldn't speak so flippantly. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus makes the, the statement about saying that, uh, that for every idle word that comes out of our mouth, we're going to give account because, uh, because out of the treasure of our, uh, of our heart, the mouth speaks. And so out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. And he goes, and we're going to give account for every idle word. Now, that tells me that, see, an idle word is a word that comes out of our mouth that doesn't have an assignment attached to it. When something is idle, uh, like my car, if my car is idling, I'm not going anywhere. I'm literally, I have the, I have the ignition on, the engine is running, but I haven't put it into gear. So I haven't given it an assignment yet. I haven't actually told the car to go forward or backward. I haven't done that. I haven't pushed on. I haven't. I haven't put the. You know, put it into drive and pushed the gas pedal to go to a certain destination. I haven't given it an assignment yet. And yet that car was designed to go places. It was designed to go from here to there. It has a design, right? But when it's in idle, it's not doing its design. The engine is running. It's it's actually operating. But it's not doing it by design. And so when, our, when we have idle words, idle words are when words are coming out of our mouth that don't have an assignment and they're not operating by design. Here, Jesus gives us the indication in Matthew 11, Mark chapter 11, excuse me, that, that our words are designed to change the world. That's the design. Jesus showed that. He cursed the fig tree. He, he, he spoke to sickness and disease. You know, like, like I've said before, he never once asked God to heal sickness and disease. He just spoke to it. And, and, it, and it was healed. He spoke to, to, to demons and they were cast out, right? He, he, he spoke to the winds and the waves. He spoke to, to, to fishes and loaves. He blessed them. He thanked God for them and he, and he blessed them. And so he spoke and things happened. And he didn't speak 5,000 times. He spoke once because he knew the words that he was going to say were going to come to pass. So if you knew, if you knew the words that you were going to say were going to come to pass every time, all the time, then we would be more careful of what we would say and we would have whatsoever we said. That's what Jesus said. If we don't doubt in our heart, but we believe the words we say will come to pass, we'll have whatsoever we say. Now, there's a few mechanisms we can put into place because what we, what's happened is we've trained our hearts not to believe our words. Okay, that's what we've done. We live in a world that's filled with idle talk, filled with with words that don't actually mean anything. Filled and, and or they're filled with words of hatred or of strife. They're filled with words either that don't mean anything or they mean the wrong thing, you know. And so, uh, so our words have been kind of hijacked by the world, and um, and so we've been brought up in a culture that doesn't value words and that don't understand the role of words to the natural realm. We literally, like I was saying in another cast, we, we literally think that words are here just to convey information or to get our point across or whatever, but not to change the world around us. And so the first thing we have to begin to do is, is begin to meditate that just throughout your day. Begin to realize God spoke everything into existence. He he um defined the relationship of words to the natural realm in Genesis chapter 1 when he created everything. He, he set the standard of definition for words. Words are here to create. Words are here to literally be a doorway from the seen realm into the unseen realm and vice versa. I mean, I mean like, you know, from the unseen realm into the seen realm. So so here we, ha we have a, a seen realm around us, but then we have the unseen realm that we see with our spiritual eyes and that we see in the word and and that we see in prayer 
And that's what that's the realm that needs to come into the earth, and it comes through our heart and through our mouth. And so words are defined, are, 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 are literally carry the capacity and the DNA. That's their design to do that. If we use them for something else, then it's, it's, not, it's not by design. The design is to carry life. The, the, you know, it says that the, the, the power of the tongue is life and death, right? And so our words carry life. It says that, that the wellspring of a wise man's, uh, oh, the, 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 the wise man's mouth, the words of the wise man's mouth is a well of life. And so you know, words come out, right? And so now, but I have to create a culture, an environment that begins to uh, help my heart to believe my words, okay? And uh, and so many times we just say things so flippantly that we we will say things all day long that we don't really mean. And so we'll say things that are like maybe just exaggerations or, you know, we're just, we're just joking around. Nothing wrong with joking around. But if, if that's all I'm doing is joking around, saying things sarcastically, I understand that was a big part of my life was I was, I was sarcastic so much. And, uh, and so if, if that's all I'm doing is saying things sarcastically, if I'm just saying things, you know, just exaggerating, if I'm just saying things that are just like not basically, they don't have truth tied to them, then I'm. I'm training my heart not to believe my words because I, if I do that, you know, all week long and then suddenly a crisis happens and then I stand up and I go, I start trying to speak to the mountain in Jesus name. My heart's like, well, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. You've just trained me not to believe your words. And now you want me to believe your words and make this come to pass. Your heart is like so disengaged from your words because your heart is like saying, no, no, no. I only say sarcasm, sarcasm. I only say exaggerations, you know, where people are like, oh, that's just killing me. No, it's really not. And, and, and the thing is, if you believe that, if, if that's your internal narrative, then that will end up killing you. But we, we want to speak words of life, right? And so we have to begin to, to not exaggerate things. If something is six feet, say it's six feet, you know? If, and if, you know, one of the things I had to train myself to do is I had to really begin to watch how much I was exaggerating. And I saw that over the years, how much I exaggerated things. And I realized, oh, that wasn't factual, I was just saying it to make it sound a certain way, but it wasn't factual. So I was training my heart not to believe my words. Um, uh, I had to really, really watch how much sarcasm was coming out of my mouth. It doesn't mean I can't joke around once in a while, but it just means I, I need to know, okay, you know, do I believe my words? Do I literally believe my words will come to pass? If I don't, then I, I need to begin to get into an environment. No, another way you can do that is, is make sure you're a person of your word. If you say you're going to be there at a certain time, be there at that time. You know, if you say you're going to do something, do that thing. You know, now I got very specific about things where when I, I had to realize my word was more valuable to me than, you know, just, just, you know, trying to look a certain way. So obviously I want to help people, but if, if people say, well, can you do this? I would have to be really honest. Say, you know what? I don't know if I can do that right now. I don't know. I'll let you know if I can or cannot do that. You know, but right now I don't know what my schedule is like, or if I just can't, I'll have to say, I you know, I just can't do that. Um, you know, if you can wait for this amount of time, maybe I'll be able to do it then, but I don't even know then I'll let you know. But you see, I, I had to, I had to be very, very purposeful about my words because I want my heart to believe that my words come to pass. I want to believe so much that I can speak to a mountain. I can literally speak to a mountain and have it and have it obey me. Now, the, these are just, this is just a simple you know, some simple exercises, but find out, just, just do a survey of your words over the last couple of days or over a day and find out, you know, are you, 
are you believing your words? Or are you creating an environment where your heart doesn't believe your words will come to pass? Now, Jesus said we can literally have whatsoever we say. He did not put an asterisk on that. He did not exaggerate. He was speaking accurately. Everybody in heaven walks in this. Everybody in heaven walks in this right now every day. Jesus walked in this all of his earthly walk to show us what we were designed to walk in on the earth. Okay, He didn't hand out pamphlets in his earthly ministry saying, here's what you can do when you get to heaven. He didn't. He never said that. He said, you're going to do even greater works here than I ever did. And we're not even touching that yet, and uh, and and yet we we're still like, well, I don't know, I don't know what's figurative and what's literal. Jesus was a literal Jesus. Okay, he said things literally. Okay, and and in heaven is a literal place. God's a literal God. Jesus is literally Lord. It is way more literal than we give God credit for. Okay, if heaven is literal, then these words are literal, and so we need to. Uh, just a rule of thumb in, in looking at the Word of God, unless it's stated obviously as something figurative through maybe a parable or something like this, then take it literally and ask the Lord Jesus to define how literal it is. Don't allow experience to define that. Don't allow our our limitation of our mind to to tell us what's what is believable, what's not believable. He says all things are possible those who believe. Anything is possible. You know, anything. I mean, here he says, I can literally speak to a mountain and have it be picked up off this earth, uprooted, and actually have it go thrown into the ocean, and it would actually happen. That's how powerful our words are designed to be. And so uh, we need to just begin to do this, though, and, 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 and at the same time, you know, if you need to start small, start small, start somewhere, but train your heart to believe your words by by taking account for your words. He says, we're going to give account for every idle word we say. Let's take account right now. Let's just start right now with that so that we're not so that we're not wasting our words. And and but take account for your words and at the same time. Just say, OK, what can I speak over right now that I believe will happen? Don't don't speak over it wishing it's going to happen or wanting it to happen or needing it's going to happen. What do I believe will happen? What do I believe will happen before I ever say it? You know, and that way when I really, when I speak it, I already believe it. I already know it's done. I can, Jesus walked away from that fig tree knowing it was done and he never even pointed it out. The disciples pointed it out. He was just walking on by knowing it was done. And that's, that's the, see, that's where we know we are in belief is when we know it's done you know, before we ever say it, we just know our words are actually allowing our belief to come to pass. And so just get get that place of belief and that place of your words in such agreement where we're, we're tangibly believing and then we're tangibly speaking and we will see things change in our life. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for that. We thank you for just what you're doing in us, what you're doing through us. And we just thank you, Father. This, this word is true. We can have whatsoever we say. And I don't care if we've never done it. I don't care if we've never seen it on the earth other than on Jesus' life, but Father God, Jesus is our reflection, and we choose to believe this and press into this. Praise God. Father God, you never want us to have to walk by any situation without allowing the ability of God to change it to be present. And I just thank you right now, Father God, for that. We just give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.